everybody. Welcome back to what is another episode of the Connecting Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Hill. Um, it has been a little bit since we've last seen you. We had, a, we had a nice little summer break, a nice little fall break, and we are back at it with a new cadence, a new approach, and really a new branding to the Connecting Construction Podcast. Um, I'm going to give you guys a brief overview to how we're going to do things from now. And so you guys are absolutely aware of um, Matt Sprague, who is my co-host, and uh, we are going to be flip-flopping now between between episodes. So sometimes you'll be hearing my voice, sometimes you'll be hearing Matt's voice, and uh, we plan to have a ton of really interesting, exciting, thoughtful guests come on the show. And again, it's just going to be interview style. We're going to go 20, 30 minutes every single one, and we're going to pick their brains, conversate, really like we're having beers around a pub table. That is what we are going for. So with that said, super excited to have another episode on deck for you today. Today we have Raquel Benedict um, from the city of Charlotte. She is a business business systems analyst, senior business systems analyst. That is quite the title, quite the impressive title. Um, Raquel, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining today. Um, why don't you give the audience a little bit of information about yourself, your background, and who you are? Hey, thanks, Evan. So, Raquel Benedict, I um, have been with the City of Charlotte since 2013, and I came in to work with the procurement team. Um, prior to that, I had spent 15 years in Florida in different organizations, mostly local county government. Um, I've done landscape, landscape construction, project management, um, landscape supervisor, running a crew, running contracts. Um, I moved to actually outside of Chapel Hill to Carborough and work for the town of Carborough doing some work for the grant bond fund, um, building some greenways, doing some sidewalk repairs and such. When this wonderful opportunity opened with the city of Charlotte, again, I came in doing project management, um, procurement with the city procurement team, worked for them for a year, switched over to CATS, which was an exciting growing team, um, worked for them for a year, and I had a job offer come up out in Santa Fe working for the nuclear facility open Los Alamos. I left for 10 months and unfortunately I was sick with elevation sickness. So I returned to the city and I got back in with a development team doing project controls. And I continued with them um, running project controls and doing eBuilder as a backup to the, the main admin until the point that he decided to leave. Um, he had a full-time position. I was still in a grant type position. So I took over eBuilder full-time and I've been doing that now since 2017. Um, a full one-man band here working for CATS. Well, that's great. Really appreciate that introduction. And just before we jump into some of the questions that um, we're going to talk about, I just do need to highlight, since we are recording on um, November 9th, I can't believe it's already November of this year, um, the, house, the house just passed the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill late Friday night, sending it to Joe Biden's desk for um, basically the next sort of um, uh, legislative priority for the Democratic prior, for the Democratic Party. Um, it passed 228 to 206. I believe it ended up being $1.2 trillion in infrastructure spending over the next decade. I believe it's nearly $600 billion over current spending. So you, sometimes you'll see in articles that it's there was already um, 
it's somewhere between 600 and 700 billion dollars allocated towards infrastructure over the next 10 years it is now an additional five six hundred billion dollars that has been um, allocated towards rail you know bridges roads highways isps basically all of um that money has been allocated towards um uh building back a, a better america and improving america's aging infrastructure um, and now like i said does go to joe biden's desk and the reason i bring this up is federal state regional agencies all around basically the nation are preparing for a massive sudden injection of federal funding and the way they've managed old project projects historically probably is not going to work um, moving forward whether that's using email spreadsheets some sort of archaic on-prem system um, the reality is technology is uh, rapidly penetrating the field of construction and it, it almost feels like there's a new startup um, uh, entering the field every single day, whether it's an, on, an on-site or a sort of in-office tool. Um, it feels like there's something new every day. So with that said, I, I, I feel like I did need to mention that and sort of set the context for our discussion. Um, but Raquel, tell me, first of all, remind me how long you've been using eBuilder for and how did you manage your projects prior to eBuilder? What were some of the challenges you and your team faced? Sure, thanks. Um, we brought eBuilder on in 2012. Um, most things happen because of some sort of audit. You talked about federal money. Um, and, <laughs> you know, the way we did things prior to that, like many organizations, using many different tools, Microsoft tools, SharePoint, Excel, 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 paper, paper, paper. Um, as you guys know, these tools are not very auditable. Um, so we started because of that audit, looking for a different type of solution. I think eBuilder, uh, excuse me, CATS looked at a couple different um, systems at the time. eBuilder was recommended and it was adopted in 2012. Um, some of the challenges that we faced was one right off the bat the buy-in people love to live and die by their excel spreadsheets they didn't want you to know what they were doing right um, the other big challenge is we were building a project while we were building the tool so we were learning the features and the functionality of eBuilder we were learning how to operate it we were training staff as we were building it um, and, and, t and up till today, we still continue to build new processes, but that was really the biggest challenge is bringing in a new tool, getting the buy-in. I still challenge, um, I'm still challenged with that is getting some buy-in from different folks. Um, getting them to put all the documentation into eBuilder, to be, to be quite honest and quite frank, and to get them to quit using paper. Paper gets lost. Yeah, so I, I want to jump in there and talk about that challenge of adoption because that is something um, that's not unique to eBuilder. It's uh, it's really an issue for any sort of you know new technology, internal adoption, or or even a process change or or whatever it may be. Um, getting people to learn new things and move away from how we've always done things uh, can be a challenge. So how did you guys face? that challenge internally encourage adoption and ultimately um, encourage widespread usage so basically um, the blue line team just was told to use it period and i say that because 
CAST has got um, buses. We have a blue line, we have blue line extension, we have streetcars. And the blue line team was just saying, hey, we're gonna use this tool because um, of the federal money in it, one. And two, because of better product, product project management. So the team brought it on. They were challenged to go ahead and use the tool on the blue line. Um, we have some other programs out there. We have regular buses. We have the light rail, um, the blue line. We have the blue line extension. We have the gold line. The gold line team decided not to use eBuilder, but the blue line team did. They said, you know, this is the best way we can do it. Let's get all of our documentation. It's going to make it easier for us. It's going to make it better for change management and for project management. The teams that didn't want to go in, to be honest, some of those teams are still not using it. Um, so it was a huge buy-in from that initial Blue Line extension team that really has pushed us to where we are today. Now, in terms of how you guys have maybe changed or increased your adoption of eBuilder over time, uh, what would you say are some of the top features, modules, or functionality um, you're using within eBuilder today? That could be, you know, automated dashboards, reporting, uh, you know, automating maybe some of your com complex workflows, whether that's RFIs, submittals, maybe something else. Let's dive into that. Um, yeah, Catch using it very robustly, to be quite honest. We have multiple divisions that is using eBuilder. We have five different programs. We have 86 different processes and growing. Um, I think we have 52 projects in there. We're pushing a half million files, 630 registered users, and a, uh, many millions of megs of data in there. Um, how did we get to this point? To be honest, I think everything starts with training, Evan. And my favorite part of what I do, other than building stuff, is training people. And if you have a good trainer that can explain and teach people to not be intimidated by the tool, um, I think that really pushes the people. If, if you request to get put in my system, and I call it mine because I manage it, me solely, you have to go through an hour and a half new user training. I know it's probably painful for some people, but if you don't go through my training, you don't get my system. So that's kind of step one, right? We want them to be empowered to use the tool. I talked to a girl for today for an hour and a half, and I'm like, I want you to be the best lead out there. I want you to know this process in and out. Um, what else are we using it on? You mentioned dashboards and reports. We're using it on many different applications, integrations. We've brought in Bluebeam. We've brought in DocuSign. Um, we've talked about bringing in our financial system, which is Munis, but we're also citywide thinking about getting a new financial system. Um, being challenged to bring in GIS, spawning process together that makes sense. So our procurement service request goes to contract routing. They want me to spawn those two together. I've been challenged to bring in CityWorks. So project teams can go right from the work order system to hit eBuilder system because that's where the project is gonna live. My new favorite so far is the bidding module. I was watching videos this morning trying to get ready for some training coming up. Um, I'm gonna be attending BI, um, BI uh, the, the whole training series that's coming up in November, that's three days long, to push myself to get better at this stuff. So we're using it in so many different ways. Um, I sometimes get stumped. I'm like, now what process were we in? Where were we heading with this? Sure. What would you say to some of your colleagues in maybe different regional organizations, state, federal, whatever it may be, that haven't made the transition to a more technology 
friendly, I guess, construction life cycle is, is the way I'm going to generously put it. What would you say to those folks? I would say that, to be honest, eBuilder is one of my favorite applications. I had told the owners, the original brothers of the company, that, hey, this is the only tool I've used in my whole life where I want to come to work for you guys. And I, and I truly say that. I've applied to eBuilder, and I, I'm not ashamed to say, because I like the tool so much. I like to where it's heading. I like the growth. I like to see where they're going with the different applications that we can integrate with and, and so forth. I've also watched different webinars from different cities around the United States. One of the, a good one from the Elevate conference was a guy in San Francisco. What he is doing is brown, brown, groundbreaking compared to what we're doing. He's going completely paperless. He's got more systems and stuff integrated than I could even think about doing. He's also got a whole team. Again, um, I'm just one person trying to continue to keep all the balls in the air. But there's a lot that this thing does. Now, you can keep it as simple as you want, and you can just run invoices through it, or you can go full scale like we're trying to do with this adjacent development corridor access. We're going to give the applicant out in, um, out in the city the, the uh, opportunity to do a request. It's going to start off the, the process for us. Um, we're going to get back with them using request comments, have them send in some money. We're going to continue on through all the approvals. Then we're going to hook this thing to ArcGIS, get the information of the parcel and the changes, the documents, the photos, and attach it right to a mapping system. Not sure how we're going to get there, to be honest, but that's the goal. And that's what I'm being challenged with, things that are far beyond what I've been doing, building a report or a dashboard. I love how uh, invested you are in this in terms of just your, your personal growth and adoption of the system, making sure your organization benefits as, you know, as much as possible in terms of delivering better project outcomes uh, for your group in Charlotte. Now, I've got a question for you outside of eBuilder, and I think this is where we'll land our conversation, but um, what, is, what excites you about the future of intersection between technology and construction? Are there different, maybe it's a hardware, maybe it's a software, maybe it's AI. Is there something that interests you about the future of technology in construction and the impact it may have on projects across the world, frankly? Yeah, actually it already has, um, Evan. So um, back in 2005, when I worked for Lee County in Florida in Public Works, we were doing all the landscape construction. I was out in the field using a little yellow device. And if you know what I'm talking about, it was a little Trumbull handheld GPS. What was I doing? I was out marking our trees, our irrigation lines, our pump station, our utilities, and so forth, bringing it back in the office and getting that stuff on a map so we could share that information, right? ArcGIS has grown leaps and bounds since then. So the technology of that is just, it just, it does excite me. Being able to go into a building and like take a picture of a wall before the sheetrock goes up so they can go back and look at that BI material you know, is awesome. Using a little uh, mini drone to go down the alignment or the future alignment to start taking pictures of the data of the parcels and so forth along the way to be able to store that documentation is just, again, it's stuff you didn't think about. You know, I was excited as a kid when I got a calculator. That's how old I am, right? But think of where we're heading, right? Yeah. It just, you can't even think beyond it. That's why I'm I, I just wish I had a bigger team so I could continue to learn more and I could do more for the city. Um, I continue to tell everybody that I'm not a big enough team to do everything that you guys need, but I'll keep on trying because it is very exciting. 
you know, I've been in um, in construction phases where we had a million dollar landscape bid, which wasn't huge compared to today's standards. We are using cranes and lifting trees up and putting them on on roofs of of high rise buildings. We we just did everything it was and even that was unimaginable but imagine if i had all that data preserved somewhere other than me just out there with my camera i mean it just you can't put a cost on what you can do with this data and how you can use it in the future well that's a great place to land raquel thank you so much for your time today and joining today's show your passion is one of the things I love about you, and I and I just love how involved you are in terms of innovation and technology adoption within this space. Again, Ra Raquel Benedict, I'm going to try to pronounce your uh, title correctly this time. You are a senior business systems analyst for the city of Charlotte. We've got actually a ton of folks internally in Charlotte. Great city. So Raquel, thanks again for coming on the show, and uh, we'll see you folks next time for another episode of the Connecting Construction Podcast. Thanks again.